Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empowered Podcast. Um, this is the podcast where we talk with people from around the industry. We get their insights into what it takes to get in. Um, we learn about like more about their discipline. Um, and also, in general, I think it's pretty useful if you want to get into the industry to have an understanding of more disciplines besides just your own. Uh, my name is Byron Beasley. I'm a software engineer at Encore Music Technologies in L.A. And we also have Steve Meehan, who is uh, a recruiter at Onward Play. And today, we have a special guest with us. So, uh, yeah, we have... Uh, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> we have Preston Dennis. Um, I know your name. I just was on the wrong page. But, uh, yeah, you want to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, my name's Preston Dennis. I'm actually the... A senior character artist and 3D generalist with Wild Seed Games, a small startup uh, remote company. Um, I just started with them here in July of this year. Um, it's actually my first job in the industry. Previous to that, I did a lot of mechanical design. Um, and I, I also did some work where I was kind of in between a 3D artist and a mechanical designer. Um, one, one company I worked with, we built a training simulator for the, for the military oh, using okay. engineering soft, engineering tools, engineering CAD models that we would convert and then use the Unity game engine to build, uh, the actual trim, uh, maintenance trainer. So. Can you, um, can you go a little bit more into, so what's the difference between some of those tools that you'd use for like general atomics versus the gaming industry? Because I had friends in college who. They had used some of those softwares, but they told me, oh, it's a little bit different than using your Blender or your Maya. So can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah. So CAD software is actually, it's called parametric. So it uses real world um, sizes because the whole point of it is to create the blueprint drawings so that the, the manufacturers can build what you're, do, what you're creating. So you have to use real world, you have to keep real world physics, real world materials, real world, um, just concepts in mind. So like, uh, some things that you can do in, in the, in a software like 3ds max, Maya, you can create, a, create an object and it not, wouldn't necessarily work in, in the real world. Mm -hmm. Well, engineering tools, it has to work in real world because you're literally building it virtually as a test to make sure that it can then be stress test and like, because uh, I was like, tessellation inside of like 3ds Max, they mm -hmm. use tessellation inside a CAD tool to test how, when, when will it break? Like under what stress conditions will it break? Um, how does it bend? How does it heat up? What is a cooling point? They they use this stuff in physics to mm -hmm. uh, these three D softwares to for physics, but then for games and and three D S Max and Maya and stuff like that, it's really just visual. Okay. Um, so you don't have to think about it working in real life. You just have to make sure it looks like it could work. Um, so that's that's the the big difference, and it is like. They both use terms like extrude, sweep, you know, the terms are all the same, but, and that's, I mean, I, honestly, that's where I started. Okay. I started doing 3D in that stuff and got awesome. myself familiarized with that and then ended up finding ZBrush, Maya, 3ds Max a little bit later. Okay. That's, so. that's really interesting. I actually see kind of a parallel there. I've done some like sound design in the past. Um, 
And I read a forum post that kind of said it best in the sense that someone's like, oh, so if I record a sword swinging, shouldn't that be good enough for have to rep- uh, to reproduce like the sound of a sword swinging in the game? And the answer is actually no. You want it to sound kind of larger than life. So I guess that same kind of idea would, re- would relate to or transition to or translate to um, art as well, right? Where it's not one yeah. to one in a video game versus um, uh, what you mentioned with your, your CAD programs and stuff like that. Yeah, for for like a video game, you want to exaggerate your sizes. So Ex- yes, exaggerate like, it. If I build something in, in real life, I'm using a three-quarter inch sheet of sheet metal or an eighth of an inch piece of sheet metal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't translate when you look at it for in 3D. In, in a game, it's too thin, so you got to make it thicker so that it stands out. Right, right. Um, and so with that being said, like, I'm so fascinated with art. Like, I don't know anything about this stuff. So, like, sorry if I'm just asking, like, 20 questions. But, um, <laughs> so, you started out with the CAD programs. I know you said uh-huh. you had to keep in mind math and physics. Does that mean that, did you have to have some of that background going in? Or are you working with people on the team as you're doing these modeling, doing the models? And stuff no, like so, so, I have a degree in computer-aided drafting and design. And one of the things that you have to do is, you know, you need, you, you have to understand the math, you have to understand the physics. Um, when I originally graduated high school, I, uh, I went to DigiPen for like two weeks, because uh, I was trying to get into the art side of the school, but I ended up getting into the programming side, and I, I wanted to try to switch, but I wasn't able to. So I ended up um, leaving there and going to Eastern Washington University, where I doubled in mechanical engineering and physics. Okay. And so I was taking uh, calculus-based physics as well as, and I mean, I I went all the way through quantum mechanics. Wow. So it was <laughs> it was a lot of math. Well, I did calculus in high school. So yeah. And and calc-based physics in high school. That's that was why I chose the high school that I went to because of just the math and the whole reason that I went to mechanical engineering was I want to say it was about my sophomore year, either my halfway through my freshman year or my sophomore year, my parents, cause I was always drawing mm-hmm. and my parents were like, there's no real money in art. So you got to find something to do. <laughs> and that's where I had discovered that my school, my high school had a drafting program. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I mean, this is back in the early, mid, mid early nineties. Drafting was still being done on the table, mm-hmm. so by mm. hand. You know, <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, that's that's a skill where I can use my art skill and still do the things that I wanted to do." Because I, I loved math, I loved science, and this was a common and then art. So it was a combination of all of that. Okay. And so that's where I started. And about halfway through a semester, my teacher there was like, "Yeah, um, you finished like two years worth of drawings." So I'm moving you to the computer. So that's he moved me to the computer, and I started working wow. in AutoCAD. That's and so, awesome. Yeah, that was it. Was it was a way to marry all the things that I loved, and that's what took me that to that route. So, with your current position at Wildseed, do you see that technical background coming in handy in your day to day? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I mean, so it teaches you. Like going through that stuff, it's it's about problem solving. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. And even art, art is you're trying to solve a problem. And I mean, through my, through my work at Wildseed, 
I'm not only doing characters, but like lately I've been doing, getting more into the, the engine. So I'm able to take the, the technical side of training that I've had over the years in the design industry and apply that to what I'm doing inside the engine. So it's, but it's just, it's marrying that technical side of the, of everything in an art. So tech art. <laughs> cool. So one of the things that I want to get into is like your history, because we were talking a little bit before the podcast and you were mentioning your journey from discovering that you had a passion for art, kind of finding that it was, it was in your family. And then can you break it down? Like what was your journey starting from being a kid and then how you got to where you are now? Yeah. I mean, so my brother and I, um, we started drawing. I started drawing when I was four. He was like six. And it was funny because what we would do is we would watch the Ninja Turtles cartoon and we would record it so that we could go back and pause it and then draw what we saw on the screen. What? And that's, I mean, that's how we got into it because we found something that we liked and we wanted to recreate. It. So that's what we started doing. And, you know, all through growing up, all through kids, that's how we would do it. We would get comic. We started getting comic books and would draw the comic books. And then there was a point where my older brother used to take the ESPN magazine and he would like, yeah, he did this picture of Jordan and graphite with, with like sweat coming down and it looked amazing. I tried to do it and I couldn't do it. <laughs> but what I could do is I had a, I would go to the library and get those how to draw books, like how to draw animals, how to draw this, how to draw that. And I would take those books and I would take different creatures and I'd start combining them together. But then I would take that realism and start adding that to it. And so, and my, my parents would be like, how, where did, where did, where did you see that? Where, and I'm like, I, I didn't see it. It just something that came out of my, my brain. And so when I was about 13, my parents got me into this uh, art program and I, I went through it pretty quickly. Um, probably the first summer that I was in it, I did about half the program, but then um, I was in sophomore year in high school, I was on the varsity track, varsity track team, varsity football team, varsity wrestling team. So I didn't really have much time to put into it. So I kind of just stuck that away and I would still draw. I sit in class and draw as I'm taking notes because that it helped me with my learning. Mm -hmm. And so it was just something that I did. And then when I graduated high school, I went into engineering and then about in 2000, I think I want to say 2009, I was at the uh, PAX East or PAX West here in Seattle. And I was walking through the artist sections and I came across this guy who was doing like making 3D models, but he was sculpting. And I'm like, what's what? What, what are you working on? And he started he introduced me to ZBrush. And this was like three R five. So this was or three R four. So this was early, early for me. And that's what really changed for me. That's when it when I was like, you know what? I'm doing all this 3D for work. I understand, like, with talking with him, I understood what he was talking about. Even though I'd never used the software once, I could completely understand and follow what he was talking about. And so the first thing I did when I got home, I looked up ZBrush, I looked up 3ds Max, I looked up Maya. And 
started work started finding finding them and working on them because for me i'm more of a self-taught artist because i've really not taken any art classes since i was in the fifth grade and it wasn't until i went back to school in 2014 that i actually took more art classes so it was really just me following that passion that as a kid when i was six i had i had a you know a subscription through to the nintendo power magazine and with my mom's help i found the the address for capcom of america and at six i wrote a letter to capcom of america asking them you know what i needed to do in order to <laughs> get into the industry and that's one of the things they told me is you know make sure you keep up on your art keep up on your sciences and keep up on your drawing and so that's something that's as a kid that that just resonated with me that stuck with me and that's what i focused on the entire time um but yeah it just it was when i went back to school in 2014 i was actually working at the kennedy space center as a designer and i had the opportunity with tuition reimbursement and since i was in florida uh full sale was there and i was looking at full sale and i was looking at um, another school in Florida, uh, University, what is it? UPS, I think. No, USC. Uh, USC, that's... I don't remember. <laughs> no, it was um, University of Central Florida, UCF. UCF. Yes, so, and I was literally like, one school was here, one school, the other school was down the road, same road, and then I was like kind of in the middle. And I was like, I could go back to school and get my mechanical engineering degree, but then I was like, but that's not that's not what I really want to do. And so I started looking more into full sale because even though UC, UCF had a, a game program, it was a four-year program. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to school for four years when I could do the same thing here. And I had already been, you know, doing 3D ZBrush and, and my 3DS Max Maya for five years before. And I was mm -hmm. like, it's more about me going back and solidifying what I knew and then on, and then learning on top of that. And so that's why I chose to go to full sale because I knew that I could get in, I could do what I needed to do, learn what I needed to learn, get and get out because I was really looking to finally change careers and get out of engineering and get into something that was much more creative because engineering is fun but it's not creative you don't you know, it doesn't have that creative spark that that creating artwork really does and so that's i mean i went to full sale i graduated in 2016 uh, i actually graduated a month early and valedictorian wow. um, when i was there and i had and there was a there was a point where i was when i was working i was working from home because um, and then going to school at the same time, and I was getting, there were, there were months where I was getting like three hours of sleep oh, wow. because I had to do my work, then my school work and then my school class work. And so I wasn't getting much sleep, but, um, I, I was given an ultimatum by one of my managers and they were like, you can either drop out or quit your job. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I figured, I figured out that, you know what? 
Full Sail has an online pro program, so I switched to the online program, finished my work, finished the school through the online program, but then also continued to work. So, awesome. Um, and then shortly after that is when I got a job, my first real studio 3D, 3D kind of job working in simulators with uh, Lockheed Martin, um, which, which, was, which was fun. But simulation is one of those things where a lot of people don't realize like we use 3ds max we use quixel package for our texturing and photoshop we used um the unity game engine but a lot of people don't run realize that you're actually now using gaming tools to make simulation simulate simulators yeah. so they're they're very uh, coming becoming parallel so yeah i kind of wanted to go more into that i'm that stuff is pretty fascinating to me um for a little bit of background um, one of my older brothers he used to be a pilot, and he told me a few years ago about how he did a simulation of flight training that was just like the real thing. So ever since that moment, I was super interested in like VR, AR, that super immersive world, right? So can you kind of go into like what your workflow was and kind of like the day to day when you were at that doing this those simulations? Yeah, I mean, so what we ended up doing, um, we ended up getting the engineering models from. Uh, Sikorsky. So we would take those models and then we'd bring them into 3ds Max and we'd reduce the poly count. You know, you just like you traditionally would create your UVs, create your. Um, we we would do color maps so that when we brought it into Quixel, it was easier to apply the PBR workflow through Quixel. Um, and then you know from there we'd just bring it into the engine. We we'd work with our programmers to create these uh hot spots which basically what it is is it's something where when they're following the maintenance manual so there was a there was a lit there's literally a manual on how to put these things together mm -hmm. and we would do the animations step by step so that if, as soon as they hit the button it would, it would <laughs> animate like it's supposed to mm -hmm. we i mean we were so um the directive that we had to, to we had to be so detailed that if there was a label on the piece of equipment we had to copy that and it had to be legible inside wow. the engine so we were we had to come up with different tricks to to make that happen so that but then also keep the poly count down which for us wasn't so bad because the main thing that we had was one unit it was mm -hmm. only one it wasn't a full game it was just a this piece of equipment in a hangar. And the whole point of this was, so we had to deliver the software equipment, but we also, as a company, had to deliver the physical maintenance equipment. And what they wanted us to be able to do is they wanted it to be seamless, where if they needed, if 10 people were working, two of them could be in the maintenance vehicle, the rest of them could be on the the virtual trainer and they could just swap without having to lose their place without and, and making it look wow. as real as possible. That is awesome. So we, we made sure that those, that it looked, it looked real. <laughs> and yeah, so it was, it was, it was a lot of work, but it, it was fun that, you know, that's where it married that engineering background that I had with this new creative in you know background that i that i went to school for and it was it was to me that was one of the best careers that i had um 
But for me, like, I've always liked doing characters and creatures. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why it's like, yeah, I want to get into games because that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. That's where my passion is. Um, you know, I, I can do environments. I can do props. That's not a, not a big deal. They're, they're, for me, they're easy to, to do because I'm, I think spatially and I think break things down. Well, with the engineering background, I'm able to deconstruct parts really quickly Mm -hmm. um, because you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to use basic shapes when you're, when you're designing something for engineering purposes. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I like do it without even thinking about it. And so um, one of the studios I worked with, uh, it was a remote studio. I did a quick little, hammer that someone had posted online and and I, I i saw it i was like oh that's cool so i spent like a day and i i modeled it textured it and i was like hey you know hey guys here's what i did from your thing and they reached out to me and were like yeah um none of our 3d artists can actually do that would you like to come and work with us and i was like oh sure you know it's it's, it's i can do that in my spare time while i'm still working um so yeah it was it was a small, small thing, but that's one of the things that also kicked that door down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when I did that, I just I found something that was cool that a studio was posting, and I recreated it, cool in three D, so so that they could say, hey, yeah, I could do that. I could do what you what you're looking for. So, dude, that is awesome. <laughs> can, can you can you double click on that really quick and let's back up like. What made you want to go online, find somebody? Did somebody instruct you to do this? Was it just kind of a spur of the moment thing? Um, like, how did how did that work out for you? No, I was so I was, and this was on LinkedIn too, which is, is funny. I was just scrolling through my my feed on LinkedIn, and um, this it was just a really cool hammer that this person had had modeled and or had drawn concept art, and. I was like, I was in between like my own little things and I was looking for something to, to do anyway. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's cool. I wonder what, I wonder if I can do that in 3D. And the, that was just it. I just spur of the moment, saw something I liked, thought it would look cool in 3D and I recreated it. And that's, I mean, that's how I do a lot of things. There's a lot of times where I'll just be scrolling on either Pinterest. If I don't have an idea already, I'll start scrolling through Pinterest. I'll scroll through um, Instagram, even, you know, LinkedIn. So different social media sites, fa- even Facebook, and just see if I can find something that's cool. And a lot of the times I'll find something and I'm like, that's cool, but I want to embellish it. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take it and I'll start with it and then I'll go more with it. But for this particular project, I was like, oh, this is cool. I, 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 I just want to do it. And so I did it. And then I just was just, I don't even know why I just was like, Hey, you know, I made this because I saw this with that. You, this concept art that you made, I liked it. So I made a 3d model of it. Here you go. And, uh, it was, it's funny because it's the same con it's the same concept artist that we have at wild sea now. So, Hmm. um, and it actually, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was able to, connect with her because i connected with her and we worked together and then she left that studio and like earlier this year i got laid off from general atomics which it was it it happens 
Um, and so, but it was like, it was like the day I got laid off was a Thursday. The following Friday, she had posted that she had gotten a job with Wild Sea and I congratulated her. And then two days later, I get a, a message from um, other people at Wild Sea and they're like, hey, you know, are you interested? And in, we want to talk to you. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah. And so it just, it literally just rolled into, I was put on 60 day administrative leave. A couple days later, I started talking to Wild Seed, and by the time that my 60 days were up, I was already hired with Wild Seed and was just waiting on my start date. So it was just one of those things where it just, one door closed, another door opened. And <laughs> if I, but if I hadn't, I don't think if I hadn't seen that post where she had posted that she got a position there and I con- congratulated her, I don't think I would, it would have happened that way. So it was just kind of one of those things where it just one one rolled right into the other so that is so cool <laughs> and i love like one of the things that we kind of emphasize on the um on this podcast is the importance of like the soft skills in addition to the technical skills because of course in order to be an artist a professional artist you have to have the bare like the minimum set of skills in order to you know get hired on right Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that you highlighted right now is kind of like how the, the social connections have been so helpful for you, whether it was posting online and you just connected with somebody, like you found their work, you recreated it in 3D, mm-hmm. and that led to your job there. And then one of the connections that you made at that company actually helped you in getting your spot in this new um, in this new company where you're at right now. Yep. like. Can you go in depth into like, were these things that you were intending to do on purpose or like, did you have a mindset that you're going out and, Hey, I'm going to network for the purpose of getting a job or like, was there some sort of other motivation for you? Um, well, I mean, it, it stems back to the engineering industry because the, the engineering industry is very similar to the gaming industry and in, in where it really boils down to who you know, not what you know. You'll get your next job because of someone that you've known. Um, because a lot of the times you start off as a contractor. So if you know someone that's working at a, at a company that you want to work for, I, it's easier, especially if you're friends with them and you've made, you've made a good connection with them, to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, is this company hiring? Or like I've had people where I, I've recommended them. I'm like, hey, you know, this dude, this company is hiring. I know this person. Talk to this person because, and they know me and they like me. It's like, so they're going to take my recommendation stronger than them just finding a, 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 a someone online. So it, it really is important to have those, those connections with people and not just for work, you know, on a genuine level, you know, you, you work with them. And I mean, I still reach back to some of the people that I talk to my, the manager at NASA that I used to work with. I still talk to him every so often. He's always just like, when are you coming back? And I'm like, well, that was fun, but I don't want to go back. And number one, I don't want to be in Florida anymore. It was just too warm. Um, But it's just one of those things where you, you have to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to make those connections Mm -hmm. because you never know where that's going to lead. And, you know, we had this, one of these, these, these couple guys in, in, when I was at, at Full sale, and they were class clowns and they would always be joking around. They always, and 
the teachers would always tell them, you know, the people that you're in the classroom with are the people that you're going to get hired with. And it's, it's very true because one of, and one of the guys, he, he got up with me one day and I was like, you know what? It's like, you know, as things stand right now, I was like, it doesn't matter how good you are. I would never want to work with you because you, you don't, you don't work hard. You play around all the time and it just, it's not something that I'm going to have to work with because if I have you on my team, that means that I'm going to have to do more work because you're off clowning around. It's like, so you really have to understand that what you do and how you act really does, you know, tell people whether they want to work with you or not. And if they don't want to work with you, they're not going to recommend you. And that's, that's the that's the bad the, the other side of it because you can you can want to be have fun you can want to have do these things but you got to know when when to clown around and when to do your work mm. and that's one of the, the one of the things I, I see prevalent in 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 either industry because you you got to get your work done that's and mm-hmm. that's the whole thing you, you mm-hmm. got to get your work done. Because if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it, and they're not going to like you for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, part of me wants to dig deeper into like how did you how did you figure these things out? And I because I I remember you going into your upbringing and then you learning how to, you know, you participated in team sports, right? Mm-hmm. And was there actually any influence in what you learned in team sports? Um, that translated to the professional world. Like how how did you come up with these with these different ideas? A lot of it is just sportsmanship, you know. And you know, my parents growing up, they always taught, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you want someone to do something nice for you, you got to be nice to them. You treat them the way you want to be treated. And as long as you're doing that, it 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 seems to it seems to radiate. Because if you're if you're putting out good energy, you know you're gonna receive good energy. And I mean, yeah, it's life. We're gonna have bad energies, but you gotta also learn how to deal with that. And being on a sports team where you have different people, different backgrounds, just butting heads sometimes, you gotta be able to work through those things. And even with even with engineering, like at the Space Center, we had Lockheed Martin, Sikorsky, um, Space. SpaceX, we had a lot of different companies all working together to create the ground support equipment for the SLS rocket. Yet, each manager had different managing styles. Mm -hmm. Each person had different ways that they would go about creating their work. But at the end of the day, we all had to come together and make it work. And there were so many times where we would be under a crunch where they're like, yeah, we got to get, we have thousand hours that we have to complete in the next two weeks and so everybody would be on on hands trying to to work together to get it done and there were times where people would promise to come in and they wouldn't show up well the next time you you go around and you have that crunch those are the people that you wouldn't ask to come in those are the people that you wouldn't allow to take that overtime because they're not going to use it you you can't you can't trust that they'll be there and just having that trust in in your coworkers is huge and 
So I mean, that's that's a big part of it, you know. In sports, you have to trust your teammate. Well, when you're working, you're still it's just the same. You're still on a sports team. <laughs> you're, you're you're a team, and you have to work together. Backgrounds backgrounds be damned. You have to work together. You have to learn to work 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 with people that you wouldn't necessarily hang out with. Mm-hmm. And I love how like that example in in your educational kind of stage of your life, how those skills translated into your success as a professional. Um, now let's go into some of the other things that, that we were talking about where your your education may actually hinder you in your professional um, success. And one of the things that we talked about prior to the podcast is that um, when you're talking with teachers, um, one of the quotes that you mentioned is that using a reference is cheating. Oh, and yes. I think a lot of us hear that in school. <laughs> and can you tell us about your experience with that? So, I mean, as a kid, I would always draw, always draw. And that's where I was, was hearing it. It wasn't necessarily from the teachers. It was from the other kids that would see what I was doing. And they'd be like, oh, well, yep. you just traced that. And it's like, well, yeah, I traced it, but I'm still, it's teaching me this, the things like volume. It's teaching me certain, certain aspects of, of how they created that specific type of art. And even when I went to full sale, a lot of the kids, I mean, kids, I say kids, but, you know, 18 to 20 year olds. And of course, I was like 34 at the time. But they would, when we would go through certain classes and we would talk about using reference, they'd be like, oh, but that's cheating. And it's like, no, you have to reference things. It's like, no, you have eyes, so you're going to see things. And no matter what you do, your brain has, has stored all this information as reference. So you're just recalling that. But by having a piece of reference directly in front of you, now you're seeing what you're trying to do and you can recreate it without having to, to have the imperfections of your memory try like creep in there. So if you're trying to make something that is like photo real, yeah, you want to use reference. Like, like, when I was talking about my brother and his Michael Jordan picture, he used reference. And I mean, it was like a three by five picture, but he blew it up to an entire sheet of paper. So it wasn't tracing. He was just reusing the reference. And for me, it was growing up. I kept hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's tracing. Oh, that's cheating. Oh, that's this. And it's like, but is it? And as a kid, you, 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 you're very impressionable. And when you're told those things, it's just like, oh, well, I shouldn't do that. And so for the longest time, I didn't do that. And it wasn't until I went back to school and they they really started talking about, you know, using reference and showing that, you know, hey, you're doing a portrait of someone. Well, that person sitting there is your reference. Yeah. So it's all it's all reference. It's everything that you do is comes from comes from some sort of reference and you you can't think that you're you're cheating yourself if you can't do it from memory because not everyone has a perfect memory you want to have that reference you want to be able to ground it in reality and and so that it doesn't look it doesn't go into that uncanny valley yeah you gotta you gotta have reference to help to help you get away from that and of course as you as you do it you won't necessarily need that reference as much, mm-hmm. but it's still nice 
it's still nice to have it so that you can go back and be like, okay, well, this is where I'm, where I'm trying to go. Right. So. It would seem that having that engineering background allows you to kind of think about it in that way. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. For, I, yeah. It's, it's a tech, it's a technical way of thinking as, as far as I'm, you know, and most, most people, and this is one of the funny things that they used to mess with me when I went back to school, because I do have that technical side mm-hmm. and I can draw out the experiences that I've had from that technical side mm-hmm. to create art. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, that's not normal. Like most artists don't have that way of thinking. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have a, I have a different way of thinking because I've had different experiences. And it's like when you, when I've, when you've done this for 10 plus years, it's something that's just going to be ingrained in you. And it's, it, it does help me at least, you know, speed up my thinking process because yeah. I already, my, my brain's already there. Yeah. That's so interesting too. That's, I, I love hearing that too, because I, I can definitely relate to that in the sense that I have a music degree, um, but I do a lot of software development now. And um, one thing that I say to people now is that, Learning programming made me a better composer. <laughs> it's just the idea of just working from a template, just getting that getting that shit down mm-hmm. on paper, and you know, just working with this limited set of tools to see what you can actually create. Um, it's it's really interesting, right? Because I also had that experience with classmates who I'll, I'll be reading a book on mixing. And like, oh well, I just kind of feel it out, and I'm like, I why is there a shame in having a process to actually get this art done? Like, you know, that's what you're going to be doing professionally. Yeah. You better start now. There's, I don't see, I don't know. It's, it's just a really interesting thing that students in particular always feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I've noticed with a lot of, even, even at my current job, you know, a lot of the times pre, like the idea of pre-production is kind of, it's kind of like, well, we got to do this. We got to do this. And they'll skip all the steps to building something and try to get straight into the detail and it's because because the details where it's fun but you gotta have a plan and you got and part of that plan is trying things out at a lower detail level Mm -hmm. just to get like shape volume things like that right you throw if you if those aren't right and you start throwing details onto it your details are are, it doesn't look right Mm mm-hmm and that was one of the things in school that I really like had to think about because it was like, you know, we had one of one of our assignments was to create an arm. And the teacher made a comment to add in some of the chest because so that you could see where that connective tissue is going. Mm-hmm. And like well, the first thing that I did is I got a bunch of reference and I started drawing an arm. And like doing all the shading and all this stuff. And people were like, why are you doing that? It's not part of the assignment. And it's like, it's not part of the assignment, but it helps me to visualize what it is that I want to create. It's, it's a, it's a part of that process. And so like we had a week to do it. I did it in two days and they're like, how did you do it? I'm like, I did all that work doing all the sketching, doing all the drawing. So I knew where I wanted, where I knew where shadows should fall. I knew where what volumes I wanted, I had already done that process and got it into my head. So now it was just taking that and doing it in 3D. <laughs> and I was also the only person that that added in the, the chest. And so the muscle structure in the shoulder looked good. 
And everyone else was like, I can't get my shoulder to look right. And I'm like, you need to add in the clavicle. You need to add in this area of the body so that you can see how that volume is working. And they were just like, well, that's just too much time. And it's like, then it's not going to look right. <laughs> you know, you, you want it to look right, but you're not willing to do that, do that extra work that, that will help you. Yes, it's, it's a little extra work, but it goes a long way to help you to see that true volume that you're trying to create. Because uh, your arm doesn't just float out in space. It's, it's connected. So you, you, you do the work and you see how it's connected and then we'll go from there. And it sounds like that's such a great like illustration of like the mentality that it takes to be a professional. Like there's so many people that say, oh, I want to work in video games and they expect to make like an immediate jump without doing the work beforehand, the discipline, the the social skills, the the like, how do you approach problem solving in general? And it, it's clear to me that you understand the work ethic that's required to be good at something. You understand that it's not just about the finished product, but it's also about the process of going through all of the little details, all of the little hurdles that you have to, that aren't seen on paper, right? Yeah. And what, for you, what are the things that drive you to be able to do those things? Is that... Uh, something that you were taught as a kid? Is it something that you picked up in a book? What is that for you? Um, I mean, a lot of it comes from just watching my parents. My Both my parents, my, my, my dad was in the military, so he had a really strong work ethic. And he, he, he instilled that into us because he wanted us, and, and my mom too, they wanted us to do better than they did. That was their whole thing. They wanted us to have a better life than they did. And you know, they know that not everything they did was perfect, but not, it never is. But by being there and, and sitting down and talking to us and having real conversations with us as kids about those types of things, those were the things where it's just like my parents, like with, with school, my parents were like, you want to play football, you want to do these sports, then you have to keep your grades up. And so I, I mean, I graduated high school with a 398. Wow. Because I wanted to make sure I could play sports and that I could, you know, that was my thing in high school. And I mean, yeah, artwork and those things aside, because I would come home from football practice. My parents wouldn't even know I was home because I was in my room, either drawing or playing video games. Mm. And so it was just, you know, I, that's the kind of kid I, that I was. But I always made sure I got my, my homework done. I always made sure that I got those things done, because if I didn't, then I couldn't. I couldn't play sports. I couldn't, you know, go to, go to this dance. I couldn't hang out with my friends because schoolwork came first after schoolwork, you know, I could do whatever else, but it was, it was instilled in me through my parents. But at the same time, for me, it was fun. The process was fun. I liked going to school. I liked learning new things. I, and I guess that's one of the reasons with, with my current job, I love the fact that I'm learning something new every day. I'm challenging myself every day to do something different, to do something better and it to grow as a person and as an artist. And, and to me, those are the things that, that drive me is that is the ability to grow and become better. You know, 
do do better be better than i was yesterday be better than i was a week ago those those are the things that that have been instilled in me since I, since a child is you know be better do better mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. dude that's awesome and like I love the the example that you're setting for all of the aspiring game developers out there. And I'm sure now that more and more people are understanding and seeing that you work in video games, I'm guessing you're having people come to you and say, oh, how can I get into the industry? Um, so if anybody does come up to you, like, what are what type of advice do you like to give to those people that are like, hey... I'm in school right now. I'm looking to get a role in the industry. Like, how how can I do it? What would you say? Uh, some so one of the first things that I do when when I'm talking with people is I ask them a question. I'm like, "What is it that you want to do?" Because a lot of people are like, "Well, I want to do games," and it's like, "But what do you want to do?" And they're like, "Well, I want to make art." I'm like, "Okay, so you want to make art? What kind of art do you want to make? Do you want to?" do 3d models do you want to do 2d textures do you want to make animations do you want to make the the skeleton to make these things move and a lot of times they don't know those things they don't they don't know that those things are out there because we we talk about like certain jobs are glorified where over others and like one of the things that i've when since since joining joining this team, some there's things in, in the narrative design department that I'm just like, oh, that would be really cool. Or even like when we're doing art, some of the things that I that I talk about with um, with our artists, it's like we're not on Earth, so how do we make a new planet? What is it that we're going to take? Mm-hmm. Or hey, this planet has this type of environment. What does the plant life look like? You know, if it's near, if it's near a pond, okay. So, what is the plant? You're not going to have an oak tree. <laughs> it's, it's. You got to think about that. You got to have shallow plants with shallow roots. And they're like, I didn't even think about that. And it's like, yeah, those. You gotta. There's a lot of thought process involved in this stuff. And and just saying I want to work in games isn't enough. You have to do research to figure it, figure out exactly what it is that you want to do. Like one of my friends, he does, he went to full sale and he does audio. And I'm like, well, if you want to do audio, what type of audio do you want to do? Do you want to do Foley? Do you want to do music? Do you want, it's like, there's, there's different things that you, and you got to find, you got to find what it is that you're, you're enthusiastic about. And then you got to, you've got to work at it mm-hmm. because like I've had, I, I can do, you know, I can do environments. I can do props. It's not my favorite simply because when I'm, you know, as a designer, I did hard surface modeling all the time. Mm-hmm. So that those skills and being able to look at a model, I could recreate that in 3ds max, Maya ZBrush pretty, pretty easily. So for me, it's not challenging. But when it comes to creating creatures, everyone, you know, in school, everyone's like, oh, that's hard. Character art is hard to get into. You don't, you, you should pursue something simpler. And it's like, but that's not what I want to do. That's not where my passion is at. So, and for the longest time, you know, it, it took me a while to find a job that fit where I wanted to be in industry because a lot of times people were like, well, your background doesn't match what we're looking for, or you don't have the experience on your resume and it's like 
my resume is is one thing, but my artwork is something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a lot of when I I would go to the meetups, especially down in San Diego. I would go all I mean, any meetup that we had. I would try to go before you know before the pandemic happened. And I remember going to a meetup and was talking to a lot of artists who are in the industry, and they're like, "Oh, your artwork's good. Why aren't you in the industry?" And it's like, "Well, I haven't found the right job yet." Like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, number one, you know, my, my circumstances are different because I'm, I have this career. I already have a career and I have a certain level of pay that I have to, that I have to keep Mm. and switching careers is hard because I can't, I can't start over. I can't afford to start over at this, at this point. So I have to be a little bit more selective. And if that takes me longer to get into the industry, that's fine because I can utilize that time to get better. Hmm. And a lot of people were like, well, you have potential. And it's like, okay, so hire me. Yeah. If you think I have potential, yeah. hire me. And they're like, well, you don't have the work experience. And it's like, okay, so how do I get that work experience? If, if I have potential, but I don't have the work experience, those two don't, don't really jive. So at, at some point, at, at some point there is a tipping point. When you find and, and like with me, I I was lucky enough to find the right studio at the right time, mm-hmm. and it it everything came together, and I'm so grateful for it. Like this is of all the jobs that I've had, this is the it's probably a job where I'm the most happy. I love the people that I work with, and we we talk about things and we have conversations that I would never have at any other studio or mm-hmm. any other job because mm-hmm. we've. Could, we've just been able to connect at that level, mm-hmm. um, and so it, yeah, it's 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 definitely something to you. You got to put in the work, mm-hmm. and if you're not willing to put in the work, or you're not willing to do that research, or you don't know what it is that you truly want to do, it makes it hard. So the first thing that I do is I ask the questions, and I'm like, you know, what? Because like. Uh, guy that i work with his son he's he said his son wanted to do it and i was like well what does your son want to do you know there's a lot of different things that you can do in games Mm -hmm. and so and it came to be that he wanted to be a twitch (laughs) he wanted to be a a, one of the people that played games on twitch and i'm like oh yeah that's not what i do (laughs) i actually make the games i make the artwork i do these things and he's like oh it's like i didn't know that was a job And, and this of course this is coming from a senior engineer and it's just like, yeah, there's you can do these things. It is possible to do these things. Granted, you know, growing up for me, my parents they didn't know that. They did, they just they hadn't. It wasn't as prevalent as it is now. It wasn't. I mean, social media has helped that tremendously mm-hmm. to get that out there. But like I like I said, when I was 13, my parents were like, "There's no money in games," and now my parents are like, "I'm sorry I ever said that." The stuff that you do is fantastic, and like one of my nephews, he's he's a really good artist. And like I told my mom, I was like, you know, I wanna I wanna show him that if that's what he wants to do, and if that's where the where he wants to pursue, then there is a possibility for him to do that. Cool. And that's that's, awesome. that's how it's got to be, you know. And like one of the things that's very apparent is that you have a a drive, right? To to get what you want. And I know that your journey has taken years since childhood. You know you've wanted to work in video games as an artist. 
And I know it's not always sunshine and rainbows in that journey. I know there's a lot of hardships and I know a lot of our listeners are going through those hardships at this moment. What are some of the things that you were able to do to keep you motivated, keep you moving in the right direction and to help you survive the the darkest days? Because sometimes like this whole pandemic, right, has been pretty dark and people yeah. are going through challenges. What are things that have been helpful for you in this journey? I, I mean, for me, so when I graduated high school, graduated college the first time in 2005, I started working and I spent day night working, 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 working. And when I ran, when I came across that artist who was at that convention and I saw what he was doing, I hadn't been drawing for, I hadn't like picked up, I hadn't put in pen to paper for drawing in like four or five years. Mm. And that in, in itself, I had, I had let my life take me away from my passion. And since then, I've always made sure that a couple, at least a couple of days a week, I was p- picking up a pen, putting a pen to paper. Some days I didn't want to do it, but it was just like, you know what? I just, I have to do it. Or I didn't have an idea. And I'd be like, eh, you know what? I just need to just do it. And the funny thing is when I would do that, is when I would come up with the most interesting creatures to me because it's like, oh, I had nothing. I had, I was, it was a blank slate and I would create something and I'd be like, oh, that's actually really cool. And then I would want to continue on iterating it and making it uh, better, you know? And I just always have to have something to go for. Like I'm, I, in my spare time, I'm building my own game. And that's something that I have on the side that even though, yeah, I do it for work, but the things that I do for work, I'm learning and I'm like, okay, I'm learning this here. I can apply that here. But then there's things where I'm doing for my game where I'm like, oh, I could apply that to my work. And even though they're two separate projects and they're, I mean, they're like night and day, but it's something that I have that keeps me going just because I want to create art and I want to, I want to share that art with people. Um, it, it's just, that's, it's always been like when I was a kid, I was into Marvel and one of my things, Marvel's mutants. And it's like, you know, if I was a mutant, what would I want my superpower to be? My superpower, it, it slightly changes, but it's always the fact that I want to be able to create something artwork wise and i either think that's me or i create and be like yeah that's one of my friends or that's something that i that that i want i want to be so my superpower was always to be able to bring artwork to life and games allow me to do that it allows me to take my imagination put it into a form that i can then essentially breathe life into and share with other people so and I mean, that's, that's, it's just, that's what drives me is being able to create my own worlds, being able to create my own worlds and share them with other people. Dude, I absolutely love that. And that's such a powerful kind of reminder to really know yourself and know what are the things that you're passionate about and what are the things as an individual that drives you? Because for each of us, 
it's something different. Like some people love art. Some people love like spreadsheets and documents. Um, mm -hmm. Some people love the social interaction of working with people, uh, working with others. So it sounds like one of the biggest things is just like knowing yourself as an individual, asking yourself the questions, what do you want to do? And then yep. what's the thought process behind actually getting to do that professionally? Mm -hmm. So dude, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and finding those people and talking to them. <laughs> I mean, that's that's probably the hardest thing for me because I'm an int I'm an introvert, but I I like talking to people. Mm -hmm. I just it's it's hard to sometimes break out of that that, that shell and and because you're worried about what people are going to think about you. And I mean that incident that i mean that idea kind of went out of my head back in 2016 i was in a i was in a pretty bad accident at least and i i i realized that you know at any at any point in time i could end I, you know my life could end what and so the idea of having someone the idea of you know letting someone what someone else thinks about me control what i do was it's kind of just like why 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 do you need to think that way why do why did i think that way i i i am my own person and i have to live my life in a way that makes me happy <laughs> and if if i have if if it makes you if if you don't like it i'm sorry that's your problem not mine you know so i'm gonna do what i do because it makes me happy and i enjoy it so I won't do anything that's illegal because yeah. that's just dumb to me anyway. I just don't want to put myself in, into that. And I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt anyone else. Right. But if it, if, if I enjoy it and I make, and it makes me happy and it doesn't endanger anyone else, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue that because that's what makes me happy. That's what I enjoy. And it's just how my life is going to be. Dude, I love that so much, man. Opinions don't pay rent. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> so <That's>, uh, <laughs> it goes back to the because I play a lot of MMOs and people are like, "Oh, you should do this." I'm like, "You're not paying my subscription fee." Yeah, mm -hmm. you don't have. A, you can't tell me how to play it. It's like fuck, dude. The way like, I play it. You know what? I tried cashing that in with my landlord, but <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> he didn't accept it. <laughs> Well, you're the one that pays your rent in that aspect, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, man, that is, that's awesome, man. And um, as we uh, reach the end of the podcast, um, I thank you for coming on and speaking with us. Personally, for me, this is super exciting. I've always been fascinated with pretty much all facets of art. So it's really cool to kind of hear your process, hear your life journey, stuff like that, what you've worked on. Um and so as we reach the end, are there any kind of parting words of advice you'd like to give our audience? Like Steve kind of touched on it earlier, like people who want to get into the industry, um, like what can they do to get in portfolio wise, networking, technical skills, soft skills? Um, what's some advice that you'd give them? And also, uh, where can people find you? Like you have an art station, LinkedIn, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, um, essentially, as an artist, especially, show your work, share it. That's that's a big thing because as artists we are we are our worst critic and we could do something that we think is terrible but someone might see it and be like oh that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So sharing your artwork is going to help 
get you out of that introverted state a little bit. Um, but also, you know, working on your soft skills, talking to people, you know, just, just like I said, if, if you have a IDGA or you have, um, there's one that I tend game dev drink up oh, nice. um, that Good meets one. once a month, um, every second Thursday of every month. And they're in um, a lot of different cities. They have a discord now because it was that we were meeting, you know, monthly in person, but now we do everything through discord. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just, just talking to people, asking questions, be inquisitive. You know, you want to do these things. Well, what you got to understand too, there's a lot of that. There's a lot that you don't know, and you're going to have to ask those questions in order to find out. Mm. Um, now, as far as finding me, I have my art station. You can find me as it's, it's the same for my art station, my Twitter and my Instagram. It's not D N O T S E R P. And then the, the letter D basically my last, my first name backwards. And then my last initial. Um, but it's what I tend to use just because, like, my idea... I, I'm I'm the type of person that I'm, I think differently. So I like the idea of my of not ser- Sind, because my last name is Dennis. Well, Sind is my last name backwards. <laughs> so I, I, I do things like that because it's, it's... To me, it's like, oh, that's a little clever. Uh, but a lot of people are like, huh? And it's like, it's just my first name backwards. <laughs> N-O-T-S-E-R-P. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, just just get out there. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. You're going to get some no's. But a no isn't a no. A no is just a not right now. You, know, hmm. you may not have the skills right now, but keep working at it. Don't take no for an answer. Keep working at it, you, and you'll eventually get to a point where everybody's going to be kicking you down your door and be like, "Hey, can you do this for me? Can can you do this? I want to work with you on this." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to put yourself out there. You have to be vulnerable. Um, vulnerability is not a bad thing. It, it leads to it, it leads to bringing more people into into your world. So cool. that's awesome. Thank you so much, Dennis, for speaking on this episode. That was. That was a great episode. That was, that was awesome, man. And uh, oh, I'm glad you had me. Thanks, thanks for asking me. Yep. All right. <laughs> and uh, all right, guys, that concludes this episode of the Empower Podcast. Um, again, I'd like to remind you guys, we are on pretty much all the social platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. You can find us at Empower Podcast. And also, we stream uh, every other Sunday, most of the time. Uh, the time varies, but on Twitch, um, we'll, we'll keep you guys up to date on when we do that as well as we post on Spotify and basically all the podcasting platforms. And we also post these episodes about a week later onto our YouTube channel, also Empower Our Podcast. So again, thanks for watching, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a good one.